and welcome back to another episode of the Houdat Jedi and sitting around my table in the heart of uh, Gentilly is uh, Dave and Fredo. Everybody say hi. Hello. Hi. Um, so uh, here we are. The Saints lost. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, what do we do to get over that? We just get ready for Mardi Gras. Right. So, you know, we're moving on. I have not watched anything about football in the last uh, in the last week. I don't want anything. People ask me, so who are you rooting for then? It's Super Bowl. I, say, I don't care. Have you seen that political cartoon where it's like, however will we get over this football loss? Mm-hmm. And, and around the corner, there's Mardi Gras parades. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's it's absolutely perfect because, I mean, um, when when I lived in Nebraska, like, like I said, when when the Saints would lose, um, you know, Brittany and I would go home and we would just be the only two people in the town that cares. And it would just be sad and we'd it'd just be a miserable Sunday night. And if they lost a playoff game, it was even worse, you know? Um, so now it's like when saints lost, you're halfway down Poydras street and everybody's getting in a little bit better mood. And, you know, and by the next day, everything's a little bit better. We're complaining about a few things, but then, yeah, we're moving on to, especially now, carnival so well that was the that was the good thing is i mean we went the game happened sunday evening or sunday afternoon and by tuesday is the start of the carnival season so you only had at most 24 hours to commiserate and feel sorry for yourself i know some people felt longer and still commiserating and grieving but a good portion of people okay tuesday hey first parades are rolling and you know the here's the season and what king cake are you going to eat first? And all the, all the trappings of carnival kind of just got dumped on your lap. And you're like, well, I don't have time to feel sorry about the Saints loss anymore. We got to move on. So do you guys have a, a dog in the hunt then for uh, the Super Bowl? Do you have a care? Uh, I, I grew up in Kansas, so I have uh, an affinity for the Chiefs. Um, that's kind of residual. And I love Patrick Mahomes as a player. Uh, watching him just shred Big 12 defenses for four years was uh, frustrating, but exhilarating at the same time. So I'm rooting for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'm, I'm that meme that is circulating right now. It's like, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? The Saints. But they're not in the but they're not in the Super I said the Saints. <laughs> so I uh, don't really care. It's whoever's going to win, it's not going to be my team. So good well, luck to whoever. Let's, let's go this way. Is there any team you don't want to win? I'll say right now, 49ers. I'm, I'm tired of, I mean, they've, they have been this year's Los Angeles Rams. They were, I think they and Baltimore right now are, if it, it's almost like WWE. Those are the storylines that the league is, you know, promoting. Pushing and promoting. You know, <clears throat> I know we're disgruntled Saints fans sitting here, but, um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want that the whole 49ers. new money vibe too. Mm-hmm. rubs the wrong way when your team has been like in it for three years straight and can't make a run and it's like you know saints have won 13 games three years in a row i think and it's like they just haven't it hasn't fallen their way so it's like san francisco who are you you know johnny come lately it's like yeah i agree with you i'm not rooting for them by the way talking about memes and getting us back into the star wars thing one of the best memes was um a couple weeks ago when it was maybe i mentioned it in the last episode so pardon me if i'm repeating myself but i am my father's son um but it's that sad baby yoda 
when he's walking down the ramp <laughs> and it says waking up on you know on friday and there's no new mandalorian episodes coming out you know yeah and speaking of baby yoda you picked up a little uh, baby yoda item on the way to the game didn't you i did i've got a uh a, it's a, a bootleg saints shirt you know it says straight out of new orleans and it's baby yoda wearing a drew Brees jersey we we're walking to the dome and i I saw this and we're like, oh, that's cute. And I walked about 10 feet past. I said, I can't resist. And Britt said, I can't imagine. I can't believe you lasted that long. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So, yeah. So, yeah, I've got that. That's uh, probably going to be my black and gold thing tomorrow. Um, but anyway, so as we, we do, and so we digress from the from football talk. But, uh, you know, our name is Hudat Jedi. So, we got to talk about that a little bit. Um, so, today's episode, we're going to be... Um, uh, talking about uh the rise of skywalker again we've uh we're gonna use an old uh instructional coach and teaching technique that i um threw at everybody um so that we'll explain a little bit later but we're gonna talk about our main likes and dislikes and maybe a question that we have um so it's just another way to process uh the movie um, we're also going to be, Dave's going to talk to us a little bit about, uh, what's it called again? Looking for Leia. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> it's a docu-series and he's going to be talking about that a little bit. And, uh, then we got some, uh, kind of rumors that are out there. You know, I'm not going to say we're, we're a spoiler podcast, but I think it's fair if something has been written about and they, people are saying, this is what people are saying is coming out. I think we can talk about it and see if we think it's bunk or, you know, maybe just kind of, you know, do a little bit of what ifs. Um, but as always, we start with trivia and we're going to do two rounds and uh, I'll start it off and shoot my question to Fredo and then we'll just go around the horn that way. Mm-hmm. So I haven't looked at any of these. It's like Johnny Carson Karnak now. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, who was the first person to thank C-3PO after being set free in the Ewok village? Okay, let's give a moment for everybody to think about the scene, think what happens, and I'm sure the answer is Luke Skywalker. It is Luke Skywalker. Did anybody else say thank you to him? I don't think, I'm trying to remember if anybody did. I don't think they did. He's the only one who says thank you, through thanks, 3PO. R2 might have. <clears throat> May have. My my favorite, again, some meme I saw somewhere, and it does. it is one of those things. Um, Leia is wearing that dress. Right. And it was somebody said the Ewoks had to have made that dress for somebody previously and then ate her and then just had the dress for, you know, or they ate whoever was wearing the dress and that's <laughs> just laying there. Hey, you fit the reduce the same size thereabouts. So was there anybody in caravan of courage that was uh, rocking Ewok garb that, we could, <laughs> that would have fit Princess Leia? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, Dave. Uh, Who's the last to jump down the Death Star's garbage chute? Think about it for a moment. Yes, we'll give everyone a moment to think. That's uh, Han Solo. That is Han Solo. Yes. Yeah, because it's that. I remember that too. That. <laughs> After he kicks uh, Chewbacca in the rear end. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before stormtroopers were punching Baby Yoda. You they were had, kicking Wookiees down were, garbage chute. Yeah, kicking Wookiees. All right, well, here we go. Whose first words in The Empire Strikes Back are, don't try to blame me? 
Well, that's, we'll let people think. And while we're letting people think, let's talk about that your garbage chute thing. Mm-hmm. One of the dirtiest lines ever in Star Wars came from that scene. Get in there, you big furry oaf. I don't care what you smell. <laughs> One of the dirtiest lines in Star Wars. So anyway, not many. So the answer to this is, uh, don't blame me. First line in the movie mm-hmm. that would be uh, C three PO. That's correct. Yeah, which it could have been uh, for a second there at the last second. I was thinking maybe it was, you know, Han, Han. to Chewie, but no, it was C three PO. Yep. And kind of, and the droids kind of blend into the background. So actually, some of C three PO's dialogue is hard to recall. So that's a that's actually a good uh, good grab for you there. You know, and we're not we're not to our three two ones, and this is this isn't even anything on my list. And if it's on one of your guys's lists, we can talk about it more later. But um, yeah, that's one of the things I was really kind of that I think the sequel tri- trilogy was missing was you know C three PO and R two D two being the Greek chorus, you know, being, being the the commenting they're commenting on what's happening everywhere. They've they split them up for the entire trilogy for the most part and r2 really had nothing to do not till the last battle when when he's the droid in post ship but even then yeah even then it wasn't it wasn't much so right but like i said i think that that's what was was missing that Mm -hmm. just the little banter back and forth so anyway um all right so now i'm gonna ask dave okay all right so we're we're going opposite way now um so let's say who throws a satchel full of explosives at an Imperial officer, knocking him over a guardrail? Give everyone a moment. That would also be Han Solo. Yeah, you get the Han yeah. Solo ones today. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was my favorite character growing up. so that's... Which I always love that scene for the guy who comes right and goes, freeze, you rebel scum. Yeah. And, it, and you can almost, I don't know if, if it's Han Solo or if it's Harrison Ford in that moment, breaking character, look at him like, what are you talking to me about? And yep. the Wilhelm scream when the guy oh, yeah. goes yeah. over the railing. Oh. <laughs> um, well, and of course, the the Family Guy parody on that is: uh, Have you ever seen? Have you seen the It's a Trap, mm-hmm. where Peter as Han Solo then makes all the Imperial Guards go out and dig their own graves, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just. <laughs> have you seen that one? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm going to find it and play it for you later. It's, it's hilarious. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Watch, uh, it's a trap, the family guy uh, thing. So Dave, you can ask Fredo this question. Yeah, absolutely. Who describes the second death star as relatively unprotected? Oh, geez. This one actually might stump me. Uh, who does the second relatively Ooh. I can give you a hint. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, go ahead and give me a hint. Uh, it was in the briefing when they were planning their attack. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking. I was thinking that scene when they're discussing it. Uh, would it be Admiral Akbar? Wrong. <gasps> it was Mon Mothma. Darn. That's the thing. I, I could think of the scene. I just couldn't think of who was saying it. Darn. Oh, well, hey, there we go. That's why we that's why we play this. I get better at it. Yeah. Okay, Aaron. Uh, let's see. Who's the first character to fire a laser bolt at Luke in Cloud City? Let people think about it. And by the way, I found the clip. So we'll play it here in a second. Um, but anyway, uh, that would be 
Boba Fett. That would be Boba Fett. Yeah. And it is interesting that Boba Fett has like only five minutes of screen time and has mesmerized everybody. But it's just because he has the coolest looking suit. By the way, you know, in an earlier episode, we we're talking about how they may have added the the, um, the spur sound. I know that I went back and I was watching uh, somebody's supercut of various scenes from Empire on YouTube. And I noticed them there. I noticed the sound when Boba Fett steps out behind the curtain and steps forward behind Darth Vader. Ah. You can hear the spurs every time he takes a step. I'm going to have steps. to watch that because, yeah, we talked about that. I haven't. Yeah. No, you, I you would think, too, when, when uh, they're walking through the corridors with that the carbonite. Hear it, but that you, you didn't. Hear it. Huh. Hmm, yeah, but in that moment, it does. It, it's very clear. You do hear it. In, okay. Cool. So here's the, the family guy. Um, it's a trap. It's, it's a trap at Perry, right about that time where he said, you rebel scum. Um, but um, so feel free to edit anything out that you, you want. All right, everybody, hands in the air. All right, now I want you to take off your helmets, go outside, and dig your own graves with them. Han, that's kind of dark. <laughs> Shut up. There's enough cutesy crap in this movie. I think we all need this. Now get outside. <laughs> I have a family. Faster. <laughs> I just do data entry. All right, you, kill him. What? Kill him. Take this knife and stab him in the mouth. No, please. <laughs> Shut up. And after he's dead, cut off his face and wear it as your face. Please. I've had it up to here what he wants. Now stab him and wear his face. And then go home to his family still wearing his face and see how long it takes him to figure out that it's you and not him. Hold it right there. You rebel scum. Wow, what a voice. Do you mind reading this for me? Paging Mr. Herman, Mr. Pee-wee Herman. I found my bike! <laughs> so, <laughs> just love it. I've had it up to here with Ewoks. There's enough cutesy crap in this movie. <laughs> the Paul Rubin segue at the end was confusing to me because I wasn't watching any video there, but was there a uh, well, Rubin's yeah. cameo? Well, the, uh, the, the speeder bikes were actually just bicycles. And at one point, uh, they throw in, yeah, Pee Wee Herman. I see so. the connection. But yeah, it's Family Guy, they got to throw in a non sequitur gag here and there every 10 minutes, or 10 seconds or so. So, no, I just, I just love it. Dig your own graves. Well, that's pretty dark. Use your There's too much cutesy crap in this movie. Um, but anyway, that's like, those are all those people who are 46 now. And, you know, that's how they would react to Return of the Jedi. You know, when I was 10 years old, it was all good. So. Anyway, so that's our trivia and our little bit of fun banter. Uh, but uh, so, Dave, talk to us about uh, looking, looking for Leia. Yeah, absolutely. So in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah, I found out about this a while back. Um, I think it was it might have been during last year's celebration um, or last year's Disney D twenty three. Okay, I don't know. It, may, it was one of the conventions and. Um, <coughs> The person who was uh, creating the series was uh, shopping it around and seeing if uh, she could get it onto television. Uh, and lo and behold, she did. So um, it's this uh, mini series, and it's a documentary style uh, mini series, and they're like these little 10 minute segments or so. It's directed by Annalise Ophelian. Um, so you get about seven episodes, and they're about 10 minutes each. So it's about an hour of your time to basically sit down and watch through it. Um, you can find it on Sci-Fi Network uh, or streaming. Uh, I watched it on the Sci-Fi app uh, on my Fire Stick, so I think it's pretty much readily available. It looked like it was uh, there was a YouTube channel, their YouTube channel. Yeah, well. I don't know if all the episodes are on the YouTube channel or not, um, but you can find it on YouTube as well. 
So, I mean, the concept of it basically is um, here are the women in Star Wars fandom and let's celebrate that and let's highlight that. And so, like, based on the concept alone, I'm like, well, I want to check that out. That sounds really cool because, you know, we, we believe on our end in um, celebrating our differences. And I kind of feel like that's part of what Star Wars is all about. Um, so let me interject right yeah. quick. Yes, all seven episodes are on on YouTube. Oh, okay. The Sci-Fi Channel have, Network has their old... It's like anywhere from 12 to 15 minute episodes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they're all seven over a minute there. Sure. This just in, Fredo on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> we break in with a breaking report. Right. Um, yeah, so it's, um, it's really pretty cool because there are these interesting individual stories. Um, like each episode deals with a certain aspect of fandom. So you'll have one episode that deals with uh, cosplay, and then you'll have another episode that deals with uh, droid builders. Um, you know, just pretty much running the gamut. And um, people of color are represented, children are represented. So there's good representation within this. Um, I guess if I had a critique of the show, it'd be that I didn't really like the format, the way they broke it up. Um, so you have you have kind of like an introduction that plays over every episode, and then you have post credits that plays after every episode, and it's the same music and the same credits every single time. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of get it. You know, <laughs> let's go to the next segment. I wish it was a little more um, fluid, I guess. So it's kind of perky jerky, which is funnily a, a criticism of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Do you think it would have been better if they had kind of tried to make it into a cohesive one hour or so? Yeah, I, I, th I think so. Absolutely. Because we uh, like right when we were watching that, Kate and I, um, we were watching a documentary on bourbon and that was really really good and i would recommend that one <laughs> i have to look up the name of that thing but it was it was cohesive but it was the same kind of thing they interviewed different people from within the bourbon industry asking them about what makes bourbon so special mm -hmm. and uh i just really liked that format a lot better than the format of this one but i still give it a recommendation for anybody who's interested in the topic. Let me ask you, did they by any chance happen to come in and touch on the crew of Chewbacca's that we have here in New Orleans? Because that would have been an interesting... Okay, for those of you who've never been to New Orleans, never to market, there is a parade that rolls... I'm trying to think, of, now it's going to roll February 1st. It used to roll much later, but I think they moved it up because it got bigger. I believe it, you're right. It's officially, I want to say, it's called the Intergalactic Crew of Chewbacca's. And it started out from... Star Wars fans who basically would make their own hand throws and make their own costumes and they divide themselves in little groups and they parade down the streets of certain neighborhoods in New Orleans and it's just gotten bigger now. Now it's exploding to be more all kind of geek culture. So it's not just Star Wars. You have Star Trek, you'll have anime, you'll have horror, you'll have science fiction. So you have different kinds, but the idea being the central theme still remains you know, Chewbacca, Chewbacca, so Star Wars. So you have like, I want to say one of the biggest ones is the Leia Jurettes, which is like this all female group that's parading dresses Princess Leia. I used to know one of the guys who used to be like helping them out. All the guys would dress like Han Solo. So so be all the Han Solos marching alongside the Princess Leia. So it's kind of fun. Well, you know, and that's 
<clears throat> you know, it's it's kind of funny that we talk about um, with the sequel trilogy. I mean, one of the big deals was that the main hero was a female and how good that was for, mm-hmm. you know, girls. That, that was the narrative, right? That mm-hmm. How good it was for girls to have that, you know, um, role model and for boys to see, you know. But then it's like, okay, well, let's go back 42 years and it's like, Princess Leia was never a damsel in distress. Hmm. No. I mean, she was captured. But, tortured. <laughs> but then she was, you know, a butt kicker, you know, and in charge for, you know, the the rest of the trilogy, you know. And so it is kind of, I, I just find it kind of interesting that we, you know, put that little bent on, oh, Ray is, you know, we've got that representation. It's like you kind of forget about Princess Leia in the first in the first three. I saw a fun quote from Mark Hamill recently where someone asked him something along those lines with Princess in regards to Princess Leia in the first film. And he said, if uh this is just one person's opinion, but if Han Solo and Luke Skywalker had uh remained in charge in the Death Star, the movies would have ended really quickly. <laughs> Probably a good point. Yeah. <clears throat> So, I, yeah, I, you know, and again, she always kind of um, separated herself from the other characters in terms of her, both her grace and her leadership abilities. And those were the things that really stood out about her. And I think like that's what a lot of people responded to. But again, like you said, butt kicker and mm-hmm. firing a blaster and taking care of herself on the battlefield. The idea of. Didn't matter what the situation was. She could be captured in the hands of the Empire and facing down Darth Vader, and she's going to call him out and stuff. Here comes, after getting tortured, she gets brought be- before Tarkin. She's not afraid of him. Well, it's... it's know, the, Over here to rescue you. And you're like, wait, who you are? Who are you? She, she never seemed out of out of league with what's going on. She always seemed like she was right smack in the middle of things. Well, it's my, another one of my favorite memes was, you know, things that said... Uh, you know, she she stands there and watches her home planet be destroyed, and you know Luke is basically sobbing over an old guy <laughs> that he met three hours ago. Yeah, you know, yeah, and she's just like stoic and taking it all in, and, and she's and she's comforting him. Yeah, I lost my family, my world, everybody I ever cared for. You lost a guy you barely know, but yeah, let me take care of you. And I think the name of the documentary just comes from the fact that Carrie passed recently, mm-hmm. fairly recently. And mm-hmm. so, like, looking for Leia still, you know, where are we going to find Leia um, now that Carrie's gone? And it's like, well, in the fandom. Yeah. And it's always interesting and powerful how much her example has bled through to so many other projects, to so many other people. You know, the way that people react to her, even even before her death, but even more so now after her passing, it's almost like everybody, you know, just kind of latched onto that idea that you could be so many things and be strong and not lose who you were. And, you know, she embodies an example that a lot of people are trying to emulate both in media and outside of it. So cool. So So check it out on sci-fi or uh, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, one before we get on to our uh, um, our uh, next up. our main topic, I we buried the lead here. Um, obviously, you've been finding this uh, podcast on Podbean, and if we've been sharing it on Facebook and Twitter, but Dave, you want to share the big news? Oh yes, well we are now on iTunes as well. We are Apple official. There you go. 
There you go. Which means we got to keep it clean, you know, fewer McClunkies. And, oh, you uh, can put, and you know, I listen to one e. that I get off of Apple Podcasts. It, you know, has an E. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just put the parental <clears throat> advisory sticker on. And I don't CD. even come anywhere close to the things they say. So I blush sometimes listening to that one. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, yeah, a little bit for everybody. So, yeah, but it's good. I mean, it shows, hey, you know, there's some value to it. People like it. But yeah, we're on a, we're on iTunes. So, right. So good job, Dave, getting that uh, on there for us. So, sure. um, but all right. So we're moving on to the, we're talking about Rise of Skywalker some more. Anybody seen it again yet? No. I'm still on two. I'm That's still on two. I need to go see it again uh, at some point. Um, but I think we're going to go see Knives Out this weekend. So you'll oh, like it. You will yeah. like it. Um, but anyway, so we're going to, like I said, do a little bit more of a dive into Rise of Skywalker, and we're going to be using a technique that we used with kids in school. As you know, as a teacher and instructional coach, um, uh, at the end of the lesson, you're supposed to have a closure activity, and it's where the kids are processing what it is they learned. A lot of closure activities in school is when the bell rings and the teacher says bye. I mean, you know, don't let the door hit your butt on the way out. You know, that's that's kind of what closure usually is. Um, but you really want people to process, you know, the kids process and not the teacher saying this is what you learned, but the kids saying this is what I learned. Um, so you try to find different activities for them to do. And what we're going to do is a three two one, And uh, basically you have kids do three of something, two of something and one of something. And um, like what we typically do is three things you learned, um, two things you still have questions about, and one thing that you want to do with this information, just something they can, mm-hmm. whatever. So what we're going to do is, um, three things that we really liked. We try, we're going to try to find the, our top three, you know, we've talked about a lot of things we've liked obviously in these past episodes. So there's going to be some repetition here, but now we're focusing on what are the three things that really, you know, you know, rung inside of us. Um, and then two things that probably the two things we wish we could have, you know, not seen or had, or just done differently, two things that we just didn't like. And then one thing we still have a question about. Um, and my, I've been thinking about that last one, that, that question. And actually mine finally came up today. Something that's just bothering me. It's almost, uh, almost made it into the two things I don't like. Uh, but I switch it to the question because uh, it is a question that I have. So anyway, um, so let's start. Uh, um, Dave, kick us off. What we're going to first of all go around the horn with our three likes. So Dave will give us our his three likes, and then we'll talk about them a little bit, and then we'll move on. So all right. Well, first of all, um, we talked about the beginning of the movie and how it jumps around and is a little um, herky jerky. Uh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the beginning of the movie. I like the introductions that we got to everybody because you can see immediately that everybody's not in the same place that they were before. Um, and that always that always helps me as a viewer because it tells me it's kind of like a cue to readjust my expectations. Okay, things aren't the same. That's good. Uh, we're going to see how, where they are now, and we're going to see how that plays out in terms of their interactions and the plot and everything else. So, um, I liked the crawl. I like Kylo traveling to Mustafar, uh, and Exegol eventually. Um, 
We follow that up with the heroes, you know, on their secret mission to get the spy intel. And then they do the light speed skipping, which, again, I know people are mixed on, but I thought was fun because it was a really cool way to show us different parts of the galaxy. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, good for the canon necessarily, (laughs) but it was a cool effect. Uh, And you got to see your, you know, requisite monster at the end of that. Um, and then the thing at the end, the way it ends with the crash-landed Falcon uh, and our heroes bickering at each other, showing this camaraderie that hadn't really existed before. I mean, it had between Finn and Ray, but Poe hadn't been inserted into that dynamic, really. So um, we establish a really big scope right out of the box. We establish a frantic pace, uh, and we establish entertaining character dynamics. So... Like, big thumbs up for me. So that's my first one. The next two are not nearly as long as that, but I wanted to get my little spiel in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, second one, I love that they retconned Leia as a Jedi. Um, and I, and they and, uh, on top of that, they made Rey incorruptible, ultimately. They always kind of teased us with this dark side flirtation, but they never really showed her ever really come close. I mean, there was that one moment where she kind of swung her saber towards Luke in a threatening manner. Um, there was obviously the lightning incident in this movie. But that was about it. Um, and so she was, in my estimation, more incorruptible than even Luke was. Um, so within that... I like that. I like that about her. I like that we see Re- uh, that we see Leia as a Jedi. So we, I mean, girls representation. We talked about that. Loved it. Um, and then finally, my third thing, Adam Driver was just owning the place. <laughs> he just, I thought he did an amazing job in this movie. And there was so much that was asked of him because of the plot that you know had its issues. Um, the emperor stuff that had its issue. a lot of things like we're going to get into that, but um, he had a lot on his plate as it ended up. And I feel like when you look at, just look at his face near the end of the movie after his transformation has occurred. And I just think that's an incredible shift for him. You know, I think the, uh, the reason why that was one of my biggest criticisms didn't make my number two though. My, my two things, my biggest criticism was the, um, the way that the movie started the herky jerkiness of it. Mm -hmm. I like all your arguments for it. And I, as you were talking about it, I think what it, it made me realize it's the same thing about the last Jedi is that no other star Wars movie starts that way. So right. when you're if if you're walking into I'm going to go see a Star Wars movie and all of a sudden it's like there and where and what and that thing and what's who that <laughs> who's that guy and where are we flying to in my word what I mean it was it wasn't your daddy's Star Wars opening you know oh, yeah. because if you think about it you know A New Hope sure um, you got the the Star Destroyer right off the bat I mean but then after you know after you get a little shoot 'em up stormtroopers then it kind of moves a little bit slower and we're into you know a little bit more it it just slows down same thing with empire empire starts slow Slow. starts very slow and actually return of the jedi starts really slow i Mm -hmm. mean vader lands on the death star and they talk a little bit then you're in tatooine and it's almost just exhausting 
exhaustingly slow. And I'm not going to get into the other three, the other, you know, the rest of the saga. But I mean, so now it's like all of a sudden it didn't start. So, that, I mean, it's like The Last Jedi is not like any other Star Wars movie. And that, I think, is what ticks a lot of people off about it because it's just not familiar. Yeah. So, well, yeah, he made it. He made a choice. And I mean, again, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value in the Star Wars. Yeah. No, I was going to say um, outside of A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith, which are the two that start in media rest in the middle of action, you're thrown right into an action sequence. Most Star Wars movies have started slowly. It's a slow, let's get you situated, let's get you knowing where the characters are, where they're going, what's the situation for them. And Attack of the Clones starts kind of on a terrorist attack, but it's not the same level as, say, starting in the middle of a battle or starting in the middle of a battle. Uh, so the idea of throwing us right away, okay, here's what's going on with Kylo Ren in a situation, and then you get to the situation in Exegol, and then right next, here's our heroes. And actually... I didn't mind that as much because it's it's uh, at least it's propelling the, the story forward. Mm -hmm. They're trying to give you as much information as you can so you can figure things out. And particularly coming at the last movie of a trilogy, you should kind of know where these who these characters are. So you don't need much introduction into who Kylo Ren is and why he's fighting, who Poe and Rey are and why they're fighting. You know, you should kind of be aware of who they are. It, yeah. it helps. Uh, if so, if you're gonna do it, it's better to do it in this point, as opposed to weirdly enough, and you hope when you have no idea what's going on, <laughs> you're like, well, who are these guys? Why they're shooting at one another? Why they're killing one another? What's happening? Who? Why are these uh, gold medal? Why is this gold medal dude talking to me? You know, it, it can be quite disconcerting. I didn't mind it as much the second time though. I will say the first time I saw it, yeah, it's like it's it's an assault. So uh, I like how you said you liked how they retconned Leia as a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I remember, so let me, so just want to ask a question of both of you very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, then I'll get into what my point is. Um, when the Mary Poppins Leia scene in The Last Jedi, the first time you saw her floating in space, then flying to the cruiser, what was your initial gut reaction? McClunky. <laughs> you didn't like it, it at first. Seemed, did. It just didn't work quite. Yeah, same thing for me. It so was, that I mean, it was put it this way: they had set up the the, the setup of that moment was she just got no. Kylo Ren lets up off the guns. He knows his mom is there. He can't go through killing her. One of his fighters shoots the bridge out, killing Akbar, killing a whole bunch of people. So you're made to feel. Oh my God! They just killed Princess Leia, and all of a sudden you get and, and I'll say mostly it's down to the, the way that the special effects were shot because it makes her look flying kind of stiff. Like yeah. you talk about the Mary Poppins, yeah, yeah, kinda yeah, and, and I think that's what took me out more than the actual event was. So, so here's what my my problem with it was: is that um, I mean, really, Leia becoming a Jedi isn't really a retcon because I mean, at, in Return of the Jedi, it you know. It, they set it up that I'm going to teach you how to use the force. The problem is that when you get to um, episode seven, the only power that you see Leia use is the exact same one that she had, you know, on an Endor, Empire. you know, or an so, empire. you know, yeah, it's just empire. She, she just, can feel people. You know, yeah. Just that. Yeah. Uh, so if they would have, and then all of a sudden in the last Jedi, she's flying through space. You know, it's like, 
okay, you know, you had to go back. Okay, they did set it up that, yeah, she, it's probably reasonable that she trained with Luke. It's probably reasonable that, but, you know. So that's a clue in a way. But I mean, so, like they did lay the little bit of groundwork for it. I guess my, my thing is, problems. if they would, if they, though, if they would have laid some little bit more groundwork in episode seven of mm-hmm. Leia having more powers than just what she had, you know, if they would have given us a little bit more in seven, would that scene in eight be a little bit more easier to swallow? I Probably. think, yeah. yeah. So I, cause that's still a scene that I just kind of groan at. Mm-hmm. I mean, now seeing her train Ray and I, I dug that as well. I, I totally dug that. Um, so doesn't yeah. bother me anymore. The, the flying through space thing, because it's just not so jarring as it was on first viewing. Right. Yeah, but I'm. It's not but, jarring, yeah. but I still know. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go into class today, and you know the bully's gonna punch me in the nuts again. So sorry, McClunky, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's just you're you know it's coming. You know, so it, yeah. But anyway. Although speaking of bullies, and I'll go to Dave's third point because that was gonna be one of mine, which is why I put a few extra. Is I loved what Adam Driver did in this trilogy. Not just this movie, but this trilogy. Because mm-hmm. I think he had one of the toughest paths to hoe in this sequel trilogy. He was, from the moment we get his image, there was, who's this character? He looks cool. Oh my God, he's the new Vader. And then you get his introduction in episode seven. People are like, okay, what's going on? He's definitely not Vader, but you know, we get to figure out what his backstory is. And then we get to see him further again in... Last Jedi, and a lot of people were kind of upset with some of the stuff that the way that they portrayed him, or the way that the story had him go in Last Jedi. But I think overall, from Episode Seven through this one, he did such an excellent job in kind of nailing down the complexities of Ben Solo and Kylo Ren, of showing you okay the how torn apart he is by everything he's doing, and you know he's a guy who I think before this was best known for Girls on HBO, and I think he's the one who's coming out. The, with the most uh, success or career after it. So I've got I've got a Kylo Ren moment on mine as well. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll we'll definitely talk about. It. So okay. give us give us your three then. Your, okay, my three. And that, but, but I do want to after we do talk about our three, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Adam Driver and Kylo okay. Ren, and I think maybe a missed opportunity in this movie. So All go right. ahead. Okay, so first thing that I had was uh, Ian McDiarmid. I'm talking about actors who just like are wonderful in these movies. I mean, you're talking, you're bringing back the Emperor. And you're not just bringing back Chancellor Papathy, you're bringing back the Emperor. And from the first moment you hear him on screen through his demise, I love how he does this character. There's very few truly 100%, I'm irredeemable, I am the big bad characters in, in movies. Because by and large, it's difficult to do them. It's very hard to portray ultimate evil. And he just nails it. He just does it so well. And he has a blast doing it. Like, there's, you know, he, there's some guy, there's some evil characters in movies that you're like, I don't know if I like him or I don't know if, I, you know, I'll be afraid of him. Like somebody like Voldemort. Mm-hmm. You, you more pity him towards the end after you get to know his story. With Emperor Palpatine and his performance, he just fell right in. Oh, yeah, he's the guy you love to hate. And let him, he's having a blast with it. So I love having him back in the in the trailer, in the, in the saga. Um, I was going to say, the cinematography. It reminded me a lot of classic Star Wars. Like the way that they got the set uh, set up for Kylo Ren's rooms. 
when uh, oh, yeah. Ray is in there. Like it all looked and felt like classic original trilogy Star Wars. Yeah. Some some areas look truly sequelish, so like Kajimi felt like a sequel planet. Um, Kef Beer felt somewhat like a sequel planet, but a lot of it just looked and sounded and felt very much like classic Star Wars. You know, and I like that. I appreciate that because it again, you're saying like, what makes you think this is Star Wars? It's when you get put in a place and go, oh yeah, this is Star Wars. Place. Just a window. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then my last thing was going to be how they manage the passing of Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia. How they're able to write it in. Not just taking this footage and reworking it so she could be in it, but also giving her passing depth within the story. So, I mean, it would have been very easy to say in the opening crawl, General Leia passed away. It would have probably been the easiest, simplest thing. Nobody would have been bothered by it. But I love the fact that they're able to fit her into the movie that they're able to give her one more great performance and that David managed to make her passing a powerful, a powerful moment and a powerful moment in regards to the story that we're seeing regarding these characters. Those are my three. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, and I, silence falls over the crowd. First of all, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, Ian McDermott does. He owns that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who gets bent out of shape that they replaced Clive Owen you know, with, <laughs> with, with Ian, Ian McDermott. You know, there are people, there are people. Monkey know. woman, right? I mean, the monkey woman. Yeah. I mean, anybody who gets upset about that, I mean, it's, they shouldn't. Um, it, but, uh, and he, it's also one of those things where, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a stage actor. He's mm-hmm. an accomplished actor, but he just adores mm-hmm. that character as well. And what I thought was kind of cool is that you got like, um, you got um, episode six emperor. You got episode three, three emperor. I mean, you you had all those kind of performances in one. I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of cool. What do yeah. you think of them? Just totally ripping lines from, you know, like for example, the um, you know, the dark side has a way. You know, yeah, people think has a path. That, uh, some say yeah. it's not natural. Whatever it is, yeah. how would you what do you think about actually just lifting those lines? I was fine with it. I mean, it was a good connective tissue. Yeah, connective tissue. But could you could you have done it without just cut and paste? I think you know what I mean. They needed to, in some ways, to kind of hint that that he's doing the same thing to Ben that he did to Anakin. He's using the same seduction, the idea of. I have all this power I'm ready to give I, you. I, I, all you have to do is listen to what I'm telling you. I here you totally go. Under, I totally, I'm totally with you, but mm-hmm. could you have done it without just cut and paste? Because that's what they kind of did. And that's mm-hmm. that almost, again, one of the things that almost made it into my top two things was just kind of, it seemed like lazy writing in some places that it's, um, I like, I think you, I, yeah, I just think I didn't have a problem with so, it. But, you know, I'll just say this. I think that it was a genuine And gift. by the way, just because I bring something up, it's not nece- it's sometimes just to be devil's advocate, not mm-hmm. necessarily just to be yeah. because I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um because as a write as a technical writer, copying paste is the best thing in the world. You know, it's like, okay, it we have this people. in this article, <laughs> so yeah, keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just, you know, I've heard that criticism before. Sorry, Dave. No, it's fine. I I think it's a genuine gift to have him back after what we saw in Revenge of the Sith and thinking like, oh, this is it. You know, this is the last we're ever going to see this character. Um, and just 
to get him back, you know, and you saw the huge reaction when when he came out for the trailer reveal and uh, well and even when uh they use his voice in rebels mm-hmm. yeah. you know and um that, that was, anytime that was they really get cool. ian mcdermott back it's like yes yes thank you thank you you guys know he was the butler in dirty rotten scoundrels right mm-hmm. wow yeah <laughs> there's a deep cut yeah it is a mm-hmm. deep cut all right cool uh what what else about see here so you had the, the Emperor, cinematography like, so um, I agree with you on the cinematography part. I think that's one of the things that as much as people complain about, no, we're on another desert planet, you know, it's like, well, that's just one of those things that tells you you're in Star Wars land, you know, or like I said, just when I said the window, I meant like a lighting panel. If you mm. use that, you know, oval type shape you know the rounded cornered rectangle thing it's mm-hmm. just like okay that's star wars aesthetic particularly in the you white know. in a whole stark white wall you know that was actually Man. one of the big problems that the costume designer had with the last jedi is mm-hmm. because of what ryan johnson wanted the costumes to be like in canto bite and the guy was like that's not that's not star wars i mean if you watch the director in the jedi he had a huge problem with it and then you know did what Ryan wanted and ends up looking great because it's, you know, but it, um, but that is a critique that while, you know, there's aliens running around, they're all wearing, you know, tuxedos that they rented for prom, you know? Um, <laughs> so they, it, it did look great, but it didn't look necessarily star Wars. Right. But, um, and I, I find it interesting that even people that worked on the film, you know, that was what they were struck with right off the bat. So, um, I would say back to the cinematography, like the the idea of this desert motif, you know, it keeps coming up over and over and over and again. And I think it's I think it's thematic, probably. Um, these people, these characters come from harsh, you know, environments and that shapes who they are. Um, but also, I think it photographs well i think that's part of the reason that they keep doing it and you bring up a good point because if you notice most of the characters i mean with the exception of maybe uh amidala in the prequels of padme or leia in the original you know the trilogy um, most of the characters come from really really rough tough difficult situations none of them you know whether it's han luke ray as we find out in this movie poe then you know they're all none of them are coming from the lap of luxury if anything you know they're fighting for a universe that hasn't been really kind to them right and uh one other uh point on the cinematography i'll bring up was like that asteroid looking iceberg Mm -hmm. planet thing yeah love that like that's unique special interesting i want to see more and more of these bizarre things that you can't even imagine yeah, and that's but that's you know that's really tough, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean there are only like what seven biomes in you know in our planet, mm-hmm. and it's it's tough to imagine a planet that isn't one of those biomes, you know. And with all these, um, with all these movies now, I mean eventually you're gonna go back to a snow planet. Eventually you're gonna go back to a desert planet. But even um, like for example, like in Solo, when you have the maelstrom, yeah, of you know, the castle run, and all of a sudden you find monsters within and you're like well if, you know it's not until you see them and you go well of course there'd be a living creature in there somewhere that would be eating ships passing by i mean that's borrowed a lot of greek mythology but it's the idea of oh no no you cut, went off the beaten path 
into the storm and yeah there's gonna be a big monster ready to eat you but it is you're right it's though it's hats off to the people who can come up with something that is a variation on the theme right and, and, and jj amers pushed himself in this movie and in force awakens he really didn't because you had your desert and your jungle and then snowy space weapon yeah, and that was about it and and here he's pushing himself with these unique u- environments and mm-hmm. filming them in a really unique way. Very so. dynamic places. Yeah. There's yeah. not, I mean, like whether it's the desert planet, uh, I forget the name of it, whether Festival of the Ancestors is happening. Yeah, Vasana. And then, you know, there's so many colorful elements and there's, you know, fireworks going off, so to speak. And there's a lot going on in that shot, in those shots that, you know, in episode seven, JJ will probably not have put in. So, um, yeah, we'll get into... And then Leia, fitting her in. I I think we're all... We touched on that in the last episode a little Mm -hmm. bit, too, I just think. And actually, that's where I was going to just jump in because that's one of mine as well. So we'll be able to continue to talk about it. But my my three, first of all, well, I'll start with Leia's sacrifice. And I like the fact that she... They had her... um, That she died sacrificing herself. Not, not, Not dying in, like, a space battle like snaps Wexley or something, but that she was sacrificing herself for something greater. That's I, I still say I, I wish um, I think episode eight, it would have been a hell of a lot more poignant. I know they had, you know, they had a different vision of where they were going, but if she would have been doing what Holdo did, you know, right. that would have been like, you know, um, that, that would have been a good way for um, Princess Leia to go out. But however, this is better. Mm-hmm. This is better because it's about family, because it's about, you know, it's that, that ultimate sacrifice. Um, um, so I, I really, I was wondering how they were going to deal with it. I was actually surprised that Princess Leia died in this movie. I figured they would do that in a book somewhere because, I mean, that's tough, got to be tough for family, you know, to relive you know, Carrie's passing, right. you know, on screen, that's gotta be tough. But I mean, obviously they signed off on it, but it was handled very well. So I really like that sacrifice and sacrificing herself for Ben. Um, I was not a fan of, you know, I was, how can this guy who is part of killing trillions of people and planets and everything like that, how can he be redeemed? But, you know, when you put it on that, the mother's love, you know, saving the son, you know, that's it. it, Okay. I can swallow that a little bit more Um, on kind of another uh, kind of link to that a little bit. The, the Kylo Han scene. I was, I knew that I I was spoiled that, that Han Solo was going to be in it somehow. And the way I was hearing these, I was like, Oh no, please don't let it be that way. And it wasn't that way. And I think we'll talk off air at some point, but I have an idea of, like rumor, what could have been like some of these things that were spoiled and that they were put into some production that didn't make it to the final cut. You know, how would you have liked it if this would have happened? Um, for example, Han was um, brought to Ben through Luke. Like Luke brings like, Hey, here's, you know, somehow through the force Luke brings Han to talk to his son and now they made the right decision that it was a memory. Um, but that whole scene 
was wonderful and the way it, it like mirrored uh, cut and paste, you know, from the force awakens, but it's, you know, but it, the meaning is totally flipped. And one thing I missed, um, on the first, uh, I missed on both the viewings. Now I have to go see it a third time. Apparently when, when Han rubs his cheek, the scar goes away hmm. and you don't, and Ben Solo does not have a scar because his thumb goes down that scar. And so I have to double check that. And I'm afraid it was getting on his phone. Um, so I, that's kind of a neat deal. It was, uh, if he paid that much attention to detail, that's awesome. Um, so that, but that whole scene, that was a high point for me. Um, and it was a great way to use, you, you could see why Harrison Ford came back for that and probably the gazillion dollars that they gave him. But anyway, um, the third thing that I thought was awesome were just all the battles, the lightsaber battles, the space battles. That's what force awakens and last Jedi especially was missing. You know, that's, you talk about what makes star Wars wars, you know, I mean, it's uh, I wars remember, not made, but it's it's like you mentioned episode three earlier. You know, it's like you are the beginning of episode three is an awesome beginning because you just see two starfighters and then they just make one turn and um, uh, make one turn and then boom, there's this huge battle. They did battles well in episode three, um, but like I said, just all the space battles, all the lightsaber battles, um, those things. You know, that's what to me is one of the things that makes Star Wars. So those are my three. React to your Leia comment because I think like if you've ever watched like these true crime type uh, shows on television where there's like some, you know, case of a murderer and then they interview the family of the murderer. Um, generally, the family still loves uh, and forgives mm -hmm. the person who was committing these awful crimes so i mean that rings true so yeah i mean i like that too i love the han solo stuff even though it's jarring at on first watch it was very jarring in the same way that space layer was for me so okay, so i want to i want to take your comment there a little bit but you know how yeah. um you know but yeah the family still loves you know the, mm -hmm. the person everything like that and this i almost again almost put this in one of the things i didn't like no, I'm, I'm going to save it because it goes into my thing I have a question about. So okay. it'll be a question and a rant. But anyway. Go oh, well, I was going to say what's interesting if you look in the movie, his dad gets killed trying to save him. His uncle kills himself in a way confronting him, but also trying to tell him that about how wrong he is on the path he is and saving the person who will eventually come around to redeem him. Then Luke, Luke probably saved his life in exactly. a way doing that. I mean, he didn't put himself... Mm -hmm. in, in harm's way but, but he, he also but he drained himself out so han yeah. dies trying to redeem ben luke dies trying to redeem ben and leia ultimately dies trying to redeem ben so it's interesting that all three of our heroes from the original trilogy give their lives the last of themselves in order to redeem and save the character who's the villain. I don't of the necessarily. Story. I, don't, I, I guess I, I I agree with Han and Leia. I disagree with Luke. I don't mm -hmm. think that's what Luke was doing. I think Luke gave himself to save Leia and yeah. everybody else. And that, Ray. And I mean that's. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with because he mm -hmm. said flat out. He said, 
I can't save them. Yeah, and, and I agree with all of that, but I also feel like the, he could have done it in a more aggressive manner. <laughs> aggressive yeah. negotiations. Like, he could have cut Kylo Ren down, but he chose not to do that. He chose to do it a different way. And so... Could have lifted that damn X-Wing out of this, <laughs> yeah. you know, sea earlier. I think and that you know. was out of consideration <laughs> for his sister and well, his nephew. But it's also a thing, uh, the reason why I bring it up is because it's a question of when we look at the path that this character was supposed to take, Kylo Ren was supposed to take, is that they're they're pouring the last of their energies and finding a way to bring him back to the light. For certain, his mom and his dad. You know, they both, you know, dad just out to confront him, show him the error of his ways, and he gets a lightsaber through him for his troubles. And mom gives the last of him when he's about to die to redeem him. And it's those dual sacrifices mm-hmm. of his mom and his dad give him the last of who they are in order to bring him back that I think is a very, you know, it's a very powerful message, but it also shows how much growth has been in these characters. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, I did find uh, kind of a still from a, from one of the final duels in uh, Rise of Skywalker. So I showed you guys, yeah, the scar is gone. The scar from, because if you look at him from the start of the movie, earlier in the movie, and I know this makes for excellent podcasting, you know, there's, <laughs> you you know, there's a visuals. scar going through his eye. Down his right side. Down yep. his right side. But then later on, when he's facing up with the Knights of Ren, yeah, scar's gone. So, so Dave, what are your two things that? Oh, before uh, you. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Because you said uh, you mentioned uh, Princess Leia, and then you mentioned space battles. I'm right with you. All the space battles, I think. And lightsaber battles. And lightsaber battles, because I think you know it's important. I mean, uh, this is still Star Wars, and you want to see those chase sequences. You want to see those duels. That's part of the. A value that you get when you buy your ticket. It's you know, it's kind of like when you go to see a James Bond movie and you don't get a scene where they go to see Q and get all the toys. It's like, wait a minute, you cheated me out of one of the things I came to see. So you want to get to see all of that, and I think that's it's always kind of fun and important. I also always appreciate all the fight choreography, particularly with the lightsabers, because that's you know it's still well, kind these, of a rare art. And these lightsaber battles, they were doing some cool. I mean, Ray mm. was doing some cool flips. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was. And I liked the force block of the, oh, the lightsaber. Yeah, that was something we hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. That was a cool little thing. And then he immediately copied her after right. she had done it, which I thought was fun too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I wasn't like blown away by the those aspects of the film. Like usually, sometimes I'd say most of the time when I'm in a Star Wars movie, I lean forward in my chair and I'm mm-hmm. like there's that tension and I didn't necessarily feel that with this one, but I would agree with you on that because I remember in solo, I was even in the Kessel run. I knew they were all going to make it out. I was still gripping the, the seats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah. Okay, but, cool. So what are, what are the two things that you could live without Dave? Uh, well, uh, on the last episode we talked about the emperor. Um, and, uh, I just I didn't like the execution of that story. Um, I thought it was muddled and confusing. Um, I think if you, it's interesting if you examine it thematically too. Like, what does it mean story wise that Ray is a Palpatine? So if you look at it from the filmmaker's perspective, like if our protagonist is a surrogate for our director and writer creator J.J. Abrams. 
Um, and that's not the, the worst leap, given that he comes from Hollywood, so he's kind of royalty within mm-hmm. that universe. Um, this is essentially him saying a person can be a good guy even if he or she doesn't 100% agree with their upbringing or their parents' take on things. Um but he might not be saying that because I'm not <laughs> sure because I'm not I'm not really and I think like we're going to do a future episode on um on theme and how the the movie fits into the greater saga um but just within the context of this movie alone everything to do with the emperor and the ray reveal as her as a palpatine I just didn't really work for me um, even though Ian McDermott is fabulous. Um, and then my second one would be, um, which again, I referred to, uh, on the last cast, um, backpedaling all the bold narrative choices. Um, if Chewie had died, we would have seen and experienced how the other characters processed that grief. And that would have been important. We saw a little bit of that, but I didn't think we saw enough. If CPO had lost his memories, his sacrifice would have given the character a poignancy, a proper send-off, genuine pathos for the first time maybe in the whole series, other than maybe Empire. And that was more of Chewie's moment where he holds, he the has the Hamlet, yeah. he has the Hamlet moment where he holds 3 pos skull up. Um C-3PO really hasn't had a moment like that and they just sort of took it away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Emperor is back, you know, that's a bold choice. Give him something to do rather than sit around the whole movie waiting <laughs> for everyone else to find him. Show up. Um, you know, like, what, what, what if he were involved in this quest? You know, that you'd have to change the terms of the quest so it's not them all trying to get to Exegol, but maybe they're trying to get some Sith relic that would turn the tide of the war or something like that. Uh, get the Emperor down in the trenches, you know, involved in that stuff, too. It's, it's like the Raylo connection, and I talked about that, too. You know, it, get, it gave them a fighting chance, but then it didn't because, like, all of a sudden the Emperor drew strength from them but then afterwards they defeat the emperor and they're they're seemingly in love and they're an item and then they aren't because he dies <laughs> so like it just felt like have you guys seen the movie wonder boys not in a while okay there's a there's a, um character played by michael douglas in the movie and he plays this older novelist who had written um, just a great American novel and was trying to create his second work. And so there's this running gag and it's really a main plot element of the movie wherein he has this book that he's working on and it's like a gazillion pages high. It's like this huge stack of like paper on top of paper on top of paper. And of course he typed it all out. And then eventually it goes blowing away in the wind, which is a metaphor for everything because like uh, one of the characters at one point tells him, it didn't feel like you made any choices. She snuck into his book and couldn't help reading through it. And then 
gave him a negative review and this was an undergrad giving him a <laughs> negative review on his wow. you know life's work and it's like you didn't make any choices and i just Felt like that was a problem. In well, this you, movie. you said it, you said it last week. That's cake and eat it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and JJ has it in him. Mm-hmm. Like he had previously killed Han Solo, right? In in Episode Seven, that was a bold choice, and it affected everything else. I mean, that's you know that's we're playing off of that, and then and here we go. Um, so you can do it again, but we didn't, and so like that's that's absolutely my biggest critique of the movie or at least he set himself up he almost gave us the moment and then he had to take it back and go oh no it's not that big a deal we can take it back it's like you could i agree with you on that because at least for me i mean the the moment where anthony daniels gets to act that last scene where he says i'm gonna take one last look at my friends if that had been it that would have been killer Mm -hmm. because it's again we're talking about send-offs of these characters this is the last time we're gonna see anthony daniels or c-3po so the idea that here you go, last time we're gonna get to be hang around this friend, and then, well, here comes R two, and there you go, back to normal. It, it, I'm not saying it robbed them. Well, actually, no, yeah, I'm gonna say it robbed it of that power, because the whole idea of sacrifices, the whole idea that every one of our heroes is throwing everything into the battle, and that it's gonna cost them a lot because it's gonna kill some, some are not gonna come back, some are gonna be forever changed, and seemed like every time they made a big decision like that, this time around, Abrams just kind of went, no, nah, I don't feel, I don't, you know, I'm going to hurt you, but I'm not going to hurt you so bad. Here you go, here you go. Here's your toy back. Everything's back the way it went. And we talked about J.J. Abrams kind of, you know, and again, not to be mean or rude or anything. And he's obviously a much better director than anyone in this room will ever be. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we talked about him kind of aping Spielberg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah particularly in, uh, what was the film? Super uh, 8. Super 8. Um, this movie, he's kind of aping Return of the Jedi. It's like when George made Return of the Jedi, he didn't want anybody to die. And it's like, um, he could have blown up the Millennium Falcon at the end. He could have killed Han Solo. Could have killed Han Solo. He could have made a lot of those choices. He didn't do it. And I think that movie works as it stands. Um, it's a classic, but... In this movie, it's like we got teased so many times, and it just after well, it's a while. It's like what we talked about with how many times is Baby Yoda almost going to die? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you do it too many times, people go, "It's never going to die." Right. <laughs> um, and then to the other point, the first point regarding um, the Emperor and the Palpatine. Em- yeah, and- yeah. I mean, it's true. It, in a weird way, you could have done more with this character than just simply have him sitting around and going like, "Okay, I'm back." Come over here, you know. He's, he's such a master manipulator. You've shown him to be such a manipulator. You could have done so much more with him. But, um, well, I'll get to my two then because I'll play off of one of that. Uh, first kind of point that uh, I wanted to bring up and that I did not like was General Hux. I hated what they did with his character. As little time screen time as he got into this because you have built him up in Episode 7 to kind of be the... The, I mean, he's the guy giving the big old, you know, Nazi propaganda style speech before they blow up the New Republic's home. And then he was a punk in eight. I mean, he was and just he, he was get, just Kylo's punk. He was exactly. like just. Yeah. So I could get that he'd become a spy. I'd get that he'd be he'd be so mad at the way that the tables have turned that then, now he's taking orders from Kylo Ren. 
But the way that it got played out, it just... Well, if he's going to be a spy, then join the resistance. Don't don't say it's because I just don't want him to win. Right. You know, it's it that was kind of lame. But what I'm talking about is how truncated it was. It came out of nowhere. You you get thrown in the in the second scene or in the yeah, third you're right. scene. Yeah. Oh, there's a spy within the first order. And then our heroes get captured and they're going to get killed and then I'm the spy. You're like, you know, on first viewing, I actually missed that. I know that's like the very first thing out of the gate in this movie was that yeah, there's a spy in the first order. I forgot about it after two minutes of movie. Mm-hmm. Which actually goes to my second point, and that's what I was bringing up the Emperor, is they introduce a ton of story elements in this movie that then just get thrown away. The spy story. It just it gets mentioned, it gets paid off, off it goes, it disappears, it never, never happened again. Whether it's Kajimi, you know, and the whole elements there with Sori Bliss and Poe introduced, were there for a few minutes, gets thrown away. Uh, Kef Beer with the stormtroopers that rebelled so i uh, know so there's so jana and poe i mean i'm sorry uh, jana and finn and they're getting to share a moment but it doesn't really go anywhere you know maybe it's just me and maybe it's part of the nature of the frenetic pace of this movie but in the previous movies we got to experience you know hanging around the worlds that they were in i mean you know think how much time we spend movie time i mean in mascanada's place in Tokonada. Well, we have saying that right you know, before the First Order shows up, or how much time we get to spend on Crate. I mean, I probably could have spent a bit more on Crate or even on Canto Bite. And that's to say nothing of the other movies where you do get a chance to kind of get a sense of the environment and the characters and kind of get a vibe of what's going on. Here, they were just throwing so much stuff and then just, okay, we threw in the idea of a spy, there's your spy, spy shot, off it goes. Here's a planet, we got a thing, off it goes. And I don't mind the pace being active because, again, this is an action movie and you got to have that. But it's almost like you're just throwing a ton of stuff because you don't know what you want to focus on. The the cynic in me says that those are there so that somebody can write a book. Or a comic book. So they can have another revenue stream. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. we'll explain that here. We'll explain that here. It's like, leave it open-ended. Don't say that. Yeah, Jana is Lando's daughter. You know, mm-hmm. no, we can write a couple books on that so they can, because we just have Lando say, well, hey, let's figure it out, which, you know, is the creepiest line Lando gives anybody. <laughs> but, you know, but still, it's, it, you know, I, I, that's that's a cynic in me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of hard not to think that because it, it happens so much in this movie. At the very least, whether it was, I mean, we spent a ton of movie time in Jakku in episode seven. You know, from the movie start till they're off uh, in the Millennium Falcon. And then you spend a lot of time on Starkiller Base until it gets blown up. So, again, you're getting a sense of the characters, of the characters, of who they are, where they're standing from, kind of where they're coming from. So you can get a, an understanding of why they're going to be in conflict. Here I get a sense of, okay, you're introducing pieces of it, but never a whole. Well, that was almost, again... Uh almost one of my similar thing was almost one of my two um, is that there was just a lot of things thrown in that they didn't need to. They could have told all the story using the characters they already had. Rose could have done a lot of this stuff, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're just, it's like, Oh, we just have to throw in new things to, I mean, 
heck, you could have had R2 figure out, you know, how to get to Exegol. You didn't need Dio. You know what I mean? Yeah. All it takes is one droid just to plug into a socket somewhere and say, oh, here we go. I know how to do it now. You know, and so it, I don't know, it's, it, it, do they have these meetings where, all right, what new stuff can we throw in? You know? Yeah, yeah. And again, you're selling toys and, <laughs> and all that stuff too. And I get that. But, uh, so, so when uh, you go to a Galaxy Says, you go to the Droid Depot, you're going to find your very own DL to build. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that um, the comparison that I immediately think of is Revenge of the Sith. And I wonder if it works better in Revenge of the Sith, um, like Order 66, for example. You're jumping around from place to place to place. Um, first of all, some of these characters you've already met, I think that helps. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, maybe this helps. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm all wet, but I feel like when you're dealing with an alien character, you're kind of like, oh, that's cool. And you're just kind of like, rolling with it right and you don't necessarily need more um when you look at a character like the characters they introduced in this movie the human characters mm -hmm. it's like yeah i want to know about this these stormtroopers rebelling mm -hmm. i want to know all about that i want to i want to see a movie about that you know how do they live in this moon of disney, disney plus movie there yeah. you go but i really like the guy at the beginning of the movie where he's like win the war you know like and then you that. get his head <laughs> and then his head shows up later i mean i, I just that was fun. I liked that. I liked mm. the introducing him. And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of torn about mm. all that. But again, we, we all agree that the movie's overstuffed, I think. Mm. Yeah. So my two, uh, I'll lead off with the one that's just, ob just obvious, the kiss. I just, if there was one moment in this movie where I went, ugh, it was that. Because that was just obviously a... Uh, just, service. just a bone thrown to the Raylo people and, mm. you know, part McClunky that out if you want to. But I mean, it's just, it was just, it was unnecessary. I think there, there could have been more poignant ways to do it. Um, I just, I just don't like it and I don't, I don't think I'll ever like it. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop watching the movie or think the movie's awful. I just think that was just, uh, it, it's when people need me in their marketing teams where I go, really? Because you know, I, I bet there was just a lot of people sitting around the table going, yeah, there you go. Good idea. Good idea, JJ. Good idea, JJ. I just think there was probably a lot of yes people on this movie. But anyway. Um, so the There kiss. had to be because they were so rushed. I mean, yeah. Right. So so the kiss, that's, that's the one, you know, and, and, if, you, and if you're going to I mean, if you're going to do the kiss, you know, don't make it the, you know, I've been waiting for 25 years to kiss you, you know, you know, super aggressive lip lock like they had, you know, that one, I mean, we knew Kylo is probably on his, he's, I mean, probably close to dying here, you know, do something a little bit more, I don't know, ah. With my last breath, I will make out hard. I, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. That's just mine. Um, then the the next one is uh, the cities at the end. I remember when all of a sudden I'm like, why the hell has Bespin there? <laughs> What's a star destroyer doing behind Bespin? What's this about? Then we're like, that's the exact same, that's the exact same uh, map painting from Jakku, and they just like 
put another star destroyer behind it. What the heck's going on there? As it was, and then, yay, there's Wicket, but at least that one kind of made sense because well, no, it actually didn't because it's Exegol. It, why are we seeing Endor again? You know, it's it's like, hey, we just have to have an ending exactly like Return of the Jedi because these movies rhyme. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you should have just skipped all the all those cities at the end. It was just like what. This well, is, it was unnecessary. Just go, go back to the resistance base and have people hugging and kissing and dancing and you know nub nubbing all over the place and you know then we're we're fine you know. But I like show. the wicked one just because it was a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so like show us different characters around the universe. Show us Broom Boy. You know, I feel like that would have been more poignant if they did it that way. Show us the Gungans. But again, it, it raises the question: is like. Why the hell is there a Star Destroyer in Bespin right now? Or in Jakku, which or, has been told it's the butt end of the universe. You know, it's like, it's just, it was, it's, again, just, it was like, ugh, yeah. Anyway, so those are my two. The cities and the kiss. And we don't have to belabor the kiss. We've already, you know, talked <laughs> about that a lot, you know. But um, anyway, go for it. Any, any comments or we can move on mm. to the... Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's. I think that the, the thing about the kiss is that it feels... Like so many other decisions, it feels a lot like fan service. It feels like, oh, there's enough people who want this to happen. This is the last chance we're gonna make See, it happen, and, and here I, you go. I, I, and that's a that's a term. I think we need to we need to talk about at some mm-hmm. point at length. What does fan service mean? Fan service to me is like when you see the battle droid on the wall, you know, in mm-hmm. Babu Frick's thing. That's kind of neat. That's fan service, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe. Uh, like just some of those like callbacks that you see, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. um, this was just uh, some of those decisions were just out and out. Um, we don't want to, we, we don't want to take our, it's the cake and eat it too mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's not fan servicey because I, I don't know. I will say the, 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 the masters of actual fan service are Marvel because mm-hmm. they give you just enough. So it feels like it's all interconnected. But it's never so upfront that it calls attention to itself. That's why a lot of the like the truly over the top fan service stuff comes after the credits, which Star Wars doesn't do and will never do. But it's that idea of okay, we can put a little piece of armor here, we can pe- put somebody's costume there, or we can make a reference to something that's the throwaway line. And it's as much as that; it's all in the background. It it doesn't get in the way of our main character story, where I think. When everybody else tries to do it, it's, oh, no, no, we got to put this front and center of everybody. Oh, we have enough fans out there who love, who want the idea of Kylo Ren and, and uh, Ray finishing together. But we're going to give them that at least for a moment. I was thinking about the, um, what's interesting about Kylo. Um, and we're talking about, you know, we think, we all thought, I think we all thought Adam Driver did a great job of he what he had to work with. Um, but a lot of we just have different opinions maybe about like the script and mm-hmm. you know the plot and what are we what are we doing what are we actually doing here um you mean like not giving him a line after the han yeah scene adam driver doesn't have doesn't speak another word except for ouch mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. it and i mean it would have been nice to so we really him. don't know what Ben Solo is like. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though you can see it in his face. I mean, again, um, 
he's conveying so much in that moment. And I love that you have this character that was essentially an abuse victim. And I think like that's what they're tr trying to convey or maybe trying to convey or at least some of the filmmakers were trying to convey because when in Last Jedi, that was that was where I went immediately was like this guy yeah, but is I, getting I, I tortured. And it's like when you think about somebody who's raised in an abusive environment and then they continue the cycle, right? Um, that doesn't excuse what they do going forward but it does um explain where where they're coming from and why they're doing yeah. the things that they're doing and so like for me i liked that um last jedi moment where um he decides not to go with ray come with me come to the dark side let's he tells her to let go but he won't let go um and she turns her back on him and she closes the door literally that at the end of the movie, the millennium Falcon door goes up, closes and she's closing the door on that. So how do you get from that scene to making out? They're making out in this movie and it's, it's a tricky road, but if you watch Ben throughout the course of the runtime, uh, the only times where he's actually doing harm or malice uh to people uh is when he's dealing with um first order hooligans mm -hmm. like he throws a guy up a, a, across the, the room on the ceiling you know he does one of those deals um you know he he mows down the knights of ren with no consideration at all um and so like if you feel like if he has determined when after that initial conversation with Palpatine, if at that moment he has determined I can't go with this guy, I gotta get Ray back. Um and you watch the rest of the movie from that perspective, it probably might work a little bit better for you. I'm not gonna say that the style of the kiss was great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I agree with you. Like maybe something more tender. I I, I don't know. It just it did seem like Okay, we're doing this. Wow, you know another another it's total my last shock. Chance. I gotta get some tongue. <laughs> total shock to the system, but yeah, I totally understand why it didn't work for people. So, what was your one uh, one thing you still have question about? Okay, so at the end, really the end, um, the very end, where she goes back to tattooing Ray. Um, I'm not sure what her intentions are beyond the immediate goal of I'm going to lay these characters to rest and pay my respects. Um, at that moment, we see her reveal the, the yellow lightsaber, the new colored lightsaber. Um, we see her in solitude. No one else is with her. Now, other people didn't have the relationship with um, Luke and Leia that she did. But... Um, you would think other people might want to pay their respects as well. So she's in solitude here. Is she, what's she doing? Like, is she going to become, is, is this, are we getting clues that she's going to go the gray Jedi route, which was like the big debate going into last Jedi, I think, which was uh, the Jedi must end, right? Luke's mm -hmm. line. 
And so it's like, oh, the Jedi must end as a way to defeat the Sith so that we get people that are more gray and nuanced and that becomes our new force user. Is that where we're headed? Or, I mean, she's like the most powerful, at this point, she's the most powerful being in the galaxy. So if she's wholly good, evil's going to rise to meet her. You know, the Snoke line, darkness rises and light to meet it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we know the balance of the force and all of this. Are gray Jedi a thing that we might explore? Or are we just going to, are we just doomed to repeat the cycle over and over and over again? And we're going to have crazy villains come after her. You know, it is, it is interesting because I've listened to a couple other podcasts and, you know, they said this is the end of the Skywalker saga. And it's probably, I think what I'm hearing other people's opinions are, this is the end of all those characters you grew up with. And I think we're definitely probably going to see Daisy Ridley, you know, again, training some sort of force users or something like that. So does that happen on Tatooine? Is that, you know, she almost makes it seem like she's making it home. Right. You know, I don't know. The line between her and the woman passing by is that, you know, the woman's asking that saying it's a good thing. Nobody's been here in such a while. So she's almost acting, acting like, Oh, you're going to be here. You're going to hang around. So I don't expect her to become a moisture farmer. (laughs) You know, she's not going to be, you know, working the fields out, so to speak. So what is her intention? Yeah, it leaves it on a very open note for her at that point. Because she clearly has her own lightsaber. She's clearly master of the Force. And so and she's the last Force user in the galaxy. She left the, she left the lightsabers for Indiana Jones to find. Exactly. So, um, uh, I mean, that is a good point. It's not clear what that epilogue is. Meant to say. Except that she's adopted the Skywalker name, the sky. I mean, that's, you're Legacy. at the Skywalker, Legacy. you're at the Skywalker ranch there. You're mm-hmm. at the Lars homestead. I mean, and where, you know, um, so. That's uh, how I became a Raylo defender, not a fan necessarily, but a Raylo defender was just because I don't know what they're going to do with her <laughs> at right. this point. If it were her and Ben, I'm like, yeah, those two are going into exile and they're going to go make some kids, you know, like that's that's where we're headed with that. But like now I'm like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Fredo, what's your question? I guess my one question kind of plays off of one of the characters we haven't really talked about. And that's Finn. What happens to him? The movie, I mean, the sequel trilogy starts with Finn on that troop carrier and his awakening. And the whole the stuff at the start of uh, Force Awakens makes you think that he's going to be a big character now. Uh, his journey is to get back to Rey through Episode 7 and Episode 8. And here they're spending more time together. And he always he hints at, oh, I want to tell someone to tell you, but he doesn't tell her, or at least doesn't tell her on screen. So where does he go now? Because clearly on the one hand, Rey is off on Tatooine doing her thing. We don't know what she's going to do. You think, okay, maybe she's going to go with Jenna, but no, she's going to go off with Daddy Lando. And then, so what happens to him? I mean, you you know, you expect that he's a force sensitive, but doesn't seem like he's going to be training. Is he going to assume some sort of leadership position in the new, new Republic that's going to form up after all this? Or, you know, it's he's had an interesting journey, 
but it almost feels like he almost got sidelined in this except movie. I don't except I don't think he has and and yeah. again it's um uh, he had an interesting start he had an interesting start and I think again I, I'm sorry I'm I'm again not saying the last Jedi is bad but the fact that it's it's like two days after you know the force awakens we all can't complain that there's no arc to Finn's story, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because again, because Ryan Johnson for, it's a great movie, but he wrote it within the confines of episode eight and not thinking because, you know, Finn's story in episode eight is basically Finn's story in episode seven, because it's only a story that's like I said, seven days old, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so talk about being rushed. It's like all of a sudden, you know, he's, you know, doing this in the resistance and he's, you know, he's force sensitive and all these things where had you spaced the movies out, you still could have shown what happened between Luke and Ray right away. You still could have had that scene and then, you know, move forward in time and have a lot of implications of, okay, Finn's been doing these things and he's been off, you know, and he's, you know, you know, he's doing some, you know, how did I move that thing? How did I, you know, start, you know, so if that was, but again, I think this comes into what I said last week of having three different story writers. You're not, you're not, you're not going to get that cohesive arc for this one character. So I agree with you. That is, I mean, if we had done a three, two, one on last Jedi and we may eventually, uh, Finn's arc in that movie would have been on my two things I hate because, uh, he just got short shrift in that movie. And again, within the confines of the story that Ryan Johnson was trying to tell, I understand. But um, he was my favorite character in Force Awakens. And he's not my favorite character in the sequel trilogy anymore. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. So my, my question is, I want to know the rules for... Um, dying in the force and what happens after you die as a Jedi because the rules going in I mean Qui-Gon had started I mean this is at episode 3 he had figured out how to at least he was only a voice you know he maintained his identity as a voice and he taught Yoda how to um, how to then become one with the force and maintain his identity past death and Yoda pass that on to mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. And that's what I hope we see in the Kenobi series is that him interacting with him interacting with Yoda through the force and training. You know, I would love that. I, I love a moment. So I love a moment of him at, here at, talking at, to the voices of Qui-Gon like in the market. But so, but we had, but nobody else had figured because up to that point, if and again, if you watch clone wars and everything, up to that point, the Jedi believe that once you die, you become part of the cosmic force and you cease to be you and you are just energy. Energy. So you have, um, so we have Qui-Gon, we have Yoda, we have Obi-Wan. And so Darth Vader dies. Anakin Skywalker dies. Doesn't disappear, right? Mm-hmm. Yoda disappears. Ben disappears. Darth Vader doesn't disappear, but becomes a force ghost. Okay. We're, I'm cool with that. Um, yeah, Yoda die, or I'm sorry, Luke dies. 
Dis- he disappears, becomes a forest ghost. Um, so Kylo Ren, sorry, still Kylo Ren. Yeah, I, and again, you, you said it, I was going to start arguing with you and then you, you, you stopped me because yeah, it doesn't forgive just because he decided, okay, I was wrong. It doesn't forgive what he did. And Kylo Ren still, like I said, killed trillions of people you know, in p- whole planets and it was part of this whole thing and sliced down people. And just because he kissed the girl at the end, then he fades away. Now, my question, I wonder if that is, again, it has Leia taken on his physical form, basically. I mean, Ben is still there, but, you know, is Leia yeah, I don't because that. because they both disappear at the same time. Right. But I have a problem with Kylo Ren disappearing. It's like, but then, OK, so let's go back a little bit further all these jedi talking to ray like all these jedi that we only get a smidgen of screen time you know uh and those who haven't um got this training that qui-gon got you know their voices they're talking to ray you know so it's just those inconsistencies i i'm it's almost a, a problem but it's uh it's like I have a question now. Okay. I know there are what's how, how does this, how is this possible? What is going on there? Is this, is this all in her head, you know, or are these, you know, and even Leia said at the beginning of the movie, she's talking about you, you know, connecting with the, the past Jedi. It's like, really, there's only about three, four Jedi that you can maybe connect with because the rest of them hadn't, you know, the, or is there some force classroom somewhere that, you know, Yoda's happening, you know, doing Yoda on the side, you know, so that was, so that, that was, that's just a question that is bordering on a, a, a problem and a stuck, stuck in my craw. Maybe there thing. are different levels of force enlightenment where you can uh, reach, you know, certain members of the Jedi order. If you reach, you know, enlightenment level four. Well, that's kind of what it is because that's why Qui-Gon is only a voice and Yoda and Ben are actually, and Luke are actually full body apparitions. But not only that, but then Ben is a full apparition, but doesn't seem to interact too much with the environment. Yoda's able to conjure up lightning. No, but... Uh, you know, Obi Wan sits on a log, mm, but but is he really sitting? I mean, he he makes the act. Is it something like kind of like mimicking no. to help calm the? That's different than shooting a lightning bolt into or the... or catching a lightsaber. Now, mid-air. I I have no I have no problem with with Yoda conjuring lightning because no. if you believe that you know the, the force is connecting all things, things right now, then yes, I mean they should be able to make you know those things happen. But again, it's just there's inconsistencies between. I mean. Darth Vader doesn't get to disappear, but he's a force but, ghost. But Ben can, you know, and he yeah. comes back as a young man too, whereas so, Ben came back as an old dude. Well, Ben didn't come back though. Didn't come back as a ghost. No, but he disappeared. I mean, that's yeah. there's there. I mean, there's there's a big distinction there between Obi Wan dying, Yoda dying, and Darth Vader dying. Would you rather disappear or would you rather come back as a ghost? Because the like you said, Vader and. But Ben, ben and are like Obi Wan, Obi Wan and Yoda. Obi Wan and Yoda do both. They yeah. disappear and come back as a ghost. I'm saying there's there's something. I would actually even argue that maybe you know, Anakin Skywalker shouldn't come back as a Force ghost either, because 
yeah, okay, your last act was to save your son, and that's great, and that's the redemption arc and whatever, but um, you still got to do time, dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> you and know? Like, my original idea for Kylo was, um, uh, you know, he needs to face justice. He can't be redeemed. Um, and And so, like, I'm right there with you in the sense of, yeah, this person's not redeemed. Vader was and, not redeemed. Yeah, and we got we kind of got off on you know on the redemption thing, but I'm just talking about the, the especially and especially the the, the, the voices. Yeah. You know, yeah. is are those actually is that like again is that like Obi Wan actually speaking to Luke in the X wing cockpit, or you know, or on Dagobah, or is it um, just you know? in her head and it gets back to then you get to the harry potter thing well of course it's in your head does that mean it's not real Mm -hmm. you know but i mean that's that's a so there might be some canon that disputes this but in revenge of the sith the way that i understood it and this is where we get you know super geeky starting talking about this stuff but uh uh it was how to convene with uh qui-gon i will teach you Mm -hmm. which means like his entity his life force is still out there. Well, have you seen the Clone Wars episodes where Yoda learns all that? Uh, no. Yeah, it's the okay. it's the very last season of the Clone okay. Wars, about the last uh, three episodes, I think. And I'm in like season three right you're now. You're just gonna have to skip to the end and watch those <laughs> because, yeah, it's. I mean, he because Qui Gon he starts hearing Qui Gon's voice and thinks he's going nuts, and so do all the other Jedi. And then and then he like sneaks off and gets training from. The, these beings that Qui-Gon got training from. So it explains what one needs to do. Um, and it's, and it is, it's not something that you just, you know, take a, you know, four hour class and you can become one with the, the force, you know, it's uh, so anyway, yes. My, my Clone understanding Wars. though is that the essence doesn't like just drift away though. And that's not unique to the Jedi that your essence when you die is still out there. It's the ability to continue to interact with the living world that the Jedi have learned. Uh, only, only not the Jedi. It was Qui-Gon. Um, Qui-Gon learned it first and passed it on to Yoda, who passed it on to exactly. Obi-Wan. Right. right. So, Which Revengeful Sith makes clear. It's not something that everybody else knew. And again, in, in Order 66, you see a whole stinking lot of Jedi die and none of them disappear. Mm-hmm. But... Presumably, you could learn that ability post-death, right? Because it's not about retaining your essence or anything like that. It's about figuring out a way to continue to interact with the the well, the way they world. the way they put it is to uh, maintain your identity past death. That again, you have to. It's mm-hmm. in this Clone Wars series, so you got to do the summer reading. All right, it's there um, and. Qui-Gon got partway through and then got killed by Darth Maul. That's why he didn't disappear because his training was incomplete. So, yeah. Well, it's all very confusing still. Yeah, well, well it's, it's, that's why it's my question. It's like, <laughs> yeah. and especially, so here's the other question. They look why, each Leia. <laughs> why are they, why are they taking the most obscure Jedi masters that didn't have an ounce of screen time, but we got an action figure over and why didn't you have, you know, um, I mean, there, there could have been others. They could have got. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. so. There's so yeah. That's that's my question: is are we actually are they actually interacting with her, or is it just 
she thinks she's hearing these voices. Do you think Ben should have been there at the end? No. Well, Anakin was there at the end. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> and I think Anakin was there not so much, more than anything, to show Luke that he had won, that he had gotten it right, that his father had been redeemed. Because if we go by the rules... I think it should have remained to be Sebastian Shaw and not uh, Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Anyway. But, but even when it was Sebastian Shaw, just the idea of... It should have just been... If we're going by the rules, should have just been Yoda and Ben. That's it. No, Anakin shouldn't have shown up there. They threw him in there because, okay, you know, we got to show Luke that, yeah, he, he got it right. He won. But I guess in this instance, you know, we know well enough that Ray did win so that we don't need to see him. But I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that it was just Luke and Leia. Well, I tell you what, we'll save the uh, the two little article things that I was going to bring up. We'll save it for the next episode because we that was a good discussion. Just mm -hmm. a, a lot of um, and it's a different way of looking at things when you have to, um, you know, narrow it down to your your top three or you know top two things. Um, don't know if we accomplished anything or solved anything, but there it is. More likely not, but that doesn't matter. That's so, not what we do. This that's all right. So. Uh, and it looks like we're probably going to be shooting for Friday's releasing episodes. So you can find us again on Podbean and on uh, iTunes and um, um, watch Facebook. Twitter and Facebook and, you know, follow us and stuff like that. Um, real quick, I guess our, our Twitter handles, um, I'm at Aaron underscore Swoboda. If you can spell all that, good luck. Um, Fredo, what's yours? Nola underscore Fredo, which should be easier to that's, spell. That's easier than mine. Dave? I'm Dave Glado, all one word, G-L-A-D-O-W. So there you go. You can find us and follow us. Um, and uh, so, yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, got more to come next week. Until that, even though we're not in the playoffs anymore, we will still say, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And uh, we'll see you later. Okay.